0: BBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. My colleague Rosa Stengo brought us the latest on the search for Simon Parks, the sailor who's been missing since 1986 carrying four days' worth of food, camping on a hillside, sliding down a tent as rainwater collected at the bottom. Ana Serra, Carlos Cusna, Ela Cruz and Neve Wyan talked to us about their latest adventure with the Duke of Edinburgh Gold Award. And in a passionate interview, campaigner Eric Rowbottom said no political party has any influence over the special needs action group. But first... Plans have been filed for a mixed-use development at the site of the Old Queen's Cinema and the Queen's Hotel. Our reporter Shalina Asomol joined us with the details.
1: Absolutely, Jonathan. Very interesting and, as you say, a lot to unpack. Uh, one of the phrases that I think will have caught everyone's attention is this idea that it should become a uh, casemates of the South. That's what the uh, developers have uh, said they'd like to achieve with these plans. Um, they say that there's been um, an unbalanced amount of development over the last 25 to 30 years in favour of the north of town Um so they're keen to to do something with this area, as you mentioned. It's um, the Queen Cinema, which we uh, saw demolished in 2019. We've been kind of anticipating there would be plans. Senior living was always part of that, but now we've seen these plans in full, and it encompasses a wide variety of uses. Um, 13 stories—that's uh, the proposed height at the moment. And it's important to note, actually, these plans show uh, Grand Parade as a a very green space, no parking spaces, but that's only because uh, that was part of a manifesto uh, commitment which the developers have decided to encompass within the plans but at present there are no plans to change it's not Grand Parade.
0: plan to make as it were. I no? think
1: it just fits in with the aesthetic of making the area look green so they wanted to include that perhaps a little bit optimistic uh, but the plans don't cover Grand Parade just yet. Okay so um, the plans
0: are for the Queen's Cinema where the Queen Cinema used to be and there's mm-hmm. now a car park yes. and for the Queen's Hotel.
1: Yes exactly. Um so the first uh area is the queen's retail precinct so that's queen's gate it's going to be called Um, and that's going to encompass a lower streetscape and podium section which will be for retail restaurants Uh, some of those plans include a food hall Um, they'd like to have a big brand supermarket there a pharmacy cafe salon the works Um, and then there are going to be the elizabeth buildings one and two Uh, They say that's a tribute to the late Queen Elizabeth. Um, And the idea is to have residential units as well as senior living within that. And then, as you mentioned, there'll also be a hotel. And there are also plans for... A dance hall that's supposed to be a tribute to the uh, sort of entertainment history of the site with the yeah, of old queen cinema being Lots there of
0: shows as well as films and
1: absolutely yes yeah. so pageants. i think they're, they're keen to do something with that in the form of a dance hall that was of course supposed to be the site for the national theater but that's been changed so it does uh add to that in a, in a way uh, there's also um hopes for a preschool nursery to be there so very a mixed use indeed um
0: how, the, how many residential units it's big no huh?
1: yeah it is quite big so it's going to be 13 stories i'm not sure how many units there are yet we still need to wrap yeah. our head around some of these sure. plans some
0: of the facts. but the 13 stories gives a, an Absolutely. idea of a big yes. building yes most, yeah as most can, of that will be residential as, no yes
1: and as you can see from the photo it is it is quite large when you when you look at it in comparison to grand parade which is quite empty yeah sure. um There are also going to be 156 car parking spaces and those are going to be underground. So they'll move that parking and add some parking, I suppose, for all those residential units. And um, another point we wanted to sort of touch on was the proximity to Trafalgar Heights. So uh, any residents in the area will know there's just like a small alley, you know, between Hmm. um, the old Queen Cinema site and the building. So this will pretty much cover... um, one whole side of Trafalgar Heights. So perhaps some neighbours in the area won't be too pleased to hear about it. But uh, all in all, the developers are keen to bring some life to the area, I suppose.
0: This is Gibraltar Today. We're going to talk to Eric Robottom now, who's a spokesperson for the Special Needs Action Group. Good afternoon, Eric. You're in the studio because uh, there's been an exchange of words with uh, the government after... Comments made by Sir Joe Bosano relating to workers with disability, uh, with disabilities uh, who are in supported
2: employment. No? Good afternoon. Yes, uh, that's correct. Uh, all this is as a, is a, as a result that uh, snag. We're asking for clarification from the government on what the, actu- the minister actually said on his two interviews with, in fact, one of the interviews was here in this particular program uh, and we wanted more clarification because we thought that what the Minister has, his words, his comments, his views, his sentiments, uh, did not portray uh, disabled people in a very good light. I mean, we honestly believe that these negative stereotypes are a thing of the past. That battle has already been uh, fought uh, over the years. And we've made very good progress uh, to where we are today, and we cannot just accept uh, negative stereotypes to be put back into the psyche of the community and and uh, the the vocabulary of people and thinking less of disabled people. So, so, uh, if anybody missed it um uh, the the effect of
0: um Sir Joe Busano's comments were to claim that um people with disabilities in supported employment might not be as engaged or productive and or they could take more sick leave uh, than than abled workers yeah. able bodied workers
2: actually he actually said that uh but he didn't use the the term. Um, supported employment, use the term protected employment. So we, as as a group, asked. In fact, let me make one thing very, very clear. SNAG was not the only NGO complaining about uh, his comments. Uh, and in your um, Facebook page, where you actually covered the story, there are hundreds and hundreds of um, comments who, people feeling of all walks of life who are completely shocked by what the minister actually said. We wanted we wanted to see clarification on. Uh, why the term um, protected employment was banished around, why not supporting employment, and we want to know exactly what the government stands on supporting employment Is actually is. Now, unfortunately, government has chosen to stop the debate, close the door. They've said very, very clearly in their last uh, response to us, to SNAG, that they will not engage SNAG uh, any further, uh, and they actually question our allegiance to a a a political party um we are the committee of snag is comprised of seven individuals who have one thing and one thing in common only we want to make sure that we're working very very hard to make gibraltar a truly inclusive society that is all Uh, i'm a disabled person uh, and the rest of the, communi- uh, of the committee, comprised of parents and grandparents of disabled people, we we are all invested in this. Now the government, unfortunately, uh, and we believe are completely unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Chose to hi- uh, single out a member of our committee, Mrs. Atrish Sanchez, who works really really hard, and I think that everybody knows the kind of work that Snag does and what uh, Trish does. And just because she is a member of a political party, uh, attacked with petty party politics, that we are being exploited and manipulated by either her or her party. I mean, that is completely unacceptable. Does
0: the GSD have any influence
2: over snag? Uh, nobody has an influence over snag. And I can categorically say right now to all your listeners that if I or any of the committee members were even got a sniff of any manipulation or exploitation, we would resign immediately because SNAG is not political. We're an NGO that's working really, really hard for the SEND, the Special Needs Education Disab- and Disability Community in Gibraltar for the last two and a half years. And and that's all, all our aim. Our aim is to make Gibraltar a better place for the disability community. There are others... Other NGOs are working towards that same um, aim, but yet the the, the government has chosen to use politics, where politics does not come into this at all, because we want clarification and we want to exercise our rights to ask a government of the the message that one of the ministers gave out in public.
0: So let's go back to that then, uh, uh, and uh, and maybe you can just elaborate a little bit on your concern, because your position, if I understand it correctly, is that a person who has disabilities should not be defined by that disability. Absolutely not. They may be a better worker or a worse worker, but that will depend on them and their characteristics and their ethos and their
2: motivation, and not necessarily... The disability absolutely i mean we're all individuals every single human being is an individual we cannot be defined by our disability whether we can speak whether we can walk whether we can hear whether uh, our appearance our, our behavior that does not define the person at all and we reject that we reject a minister coming in and, and saying that by definition and these are the words of the minister by definition disabled people have an ability, we, have, we lack an ability that non-disabled people have. I mean, that is a very, very negative stereotype that the minister is peddling. And we have to stop that. We've got to put an end to that right, right now. Uh, the fact that I cannot walk does not define Eric Robottom. The fact that somebody is unable to speak does not define that human being. Now, we we all have our disabilities, we all have our abilities, we all have our needs, some more great than others. And what's SNAG and a lot of the NGOs out there and a lot of in the community out there, what we want to clarify is okay, uh, what are you going to do with a, a disabled person who wants? To go out into the work environment, how are you going to support that individual? Are you going to uh, just say, "Well, we're going to pay your salary, so that if you don't, you're not productive, you're not engaged, you're not really interested in this uh, because you're lacking abilities." So, like that, that you won't be, uh, you know, you won't lose a job because since we're paying for the job, the, the the employer does not have to to take who you are. That is not the way to 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 support and progress on the disability front and that is uh, uh, where we came in and asked for clarification
0: you're speaking very passionately eric and and, and rightly so uh, because it's an issue that that you um put so much of your own time into apart from the fact that of course it's it's an issue very close to your your heart oh, absolutely yes uh, let me ask you about um uh, the fact that we are in an election year and this has it, it, this issue has become party political. Uh, you also had, in your statement, you, you invited the uh, the other two active political parties in Gibraltar, the GSD and Together Gibraltar, yes. to, to join the conversation on Absolutely.
2: this. Absolutely. No? I mean, uh, uh, we know that Together uh, Gibraltar have issued one press release a few days after the, the, the conversation started. But unfortunately, GSD, we haven't heard anything from them. And it's not we, Snag, it's we, the community. Uh, th- for us, this is a really moment in time where somebody has drawn a line on the sand and we need to know on which sides of that line uh, the political parties, the active political parties in Gibraltar uh, stand. I mean, I want to know uh, how um, the GSD and TG actually define or, or think of defining dis- people with disabilities. I need to know that. The community needs to know that. And, it's and supported to, employment. Absolutely, totally, and hundred percent. We need to know if, if if I don't need to know your manifesto commitments right now. I we, we're nobody to ask for that. We don't we don't want to have that. But this goes beyond the manifesto. This goes beyond the core issues of the, the disability issues in Gibraltar. What are both these parties' uh, uh, core beliefs? They might agree with the government. I don't know. We don't know. Nobody knows because they haven't come up with anything. Uh, And it's time to stand up and be counted.
0: We're going to cross over now to um, the site of uh, a dig a forensic dig which has been led by a team of Hampshire detectives uh, and they're in town range and they're looking for the missing sailor Simon Parks. They resumed their search for him yesterday and uh, and they've been at it again today and our reporter Roz astengo has been very much at the forefront of this story uh, and she joins us now from town range good afternoon Roz. what's the latest from the forensic dig there
3: hi jonathan yes well work began very very early this morning almost at the quack of dawn really it's quite slow progress Uh, Because although it's a relatively small area that they're digging into, I would say, I'm not very good at uh, spaces, but I would say about 10 by 30 meters, maybe 40 meters. It's quite difficult because they have to drill through the upper layer of concrete and get to what is underneath. And what is underneath appears to be some sort of soil, I would say more peat, uh, which has been compressed for decades. Uh, you know, in those voids, and uh, what they're doing now is they're uh, much of of what they were doing yesterday is extracting a lot of that and then putting it into a skip and then sifting through it. Now, yesterday, there were two holes that they were made that made they focus mostly on one today they're drilling a, a third hole, and they've moved the first tent over to cover the third hole. There's a lot of drilling going on at the moment, a lot of extraction work. Being carried out. I counted this morning about 17 police officers at the site, uh, and these include a highly specialist search team from Hampshire Detectives. The, the man leading the search, I don't have his name just yet, but he is extremely experienced at these digs. It's all planned like a military operation. They know exactly what they're doing. And what they do is they strategize as they're going along. So depending on what they find when they get down under the surface, uh, informs them of you know where they go next. So it's new information. It is, I have to say, knowing the case as intimately as I do, probably the most, the most compelling new information the case has received since since Simon disappeared right. and I think that there will be a lot of disappointment if he is not found. But of course you never know, you, as good as the information that you get, and, and you know, police are very used to searching for missing people, there's so many digs uh, that happen, Susie Lampleau, Madeleine McCann, all these famous names of people who've gone missing over time. You just don't know what you're going to find. Um, you know, you've got the Moors uh, uh, victims, Myra um, Hindley and and Ian Bradley, and you know they've been searching for them for decades. And you, you you get new information, you do the best that you can, but you just don't know where it's going to take you until you get in there. So all we can do is hope. The team, uh, you know, they're experts. They know what they're doing. They're being helped very ably by the Royal Gibraltar Police. Uh, who are also on site constantly, and um, we just have to hope for the best. You just can't forget about Simon Parks. We've got to keep his name out there, and and hopefully if it doesn't work out this time, there will be another time. I I just don't think we can give up.
0: Sure. Well, knowing you, you definitely won't, (laughs) Ros. Thank you for (laughs) joining us live from Town Range and we look forward to to hearing uh, the latest on GBC News uh, this evening to see how the afternoon's dig develops uh, as they search for uh, the missing sailor Simon Parks, missing since 1986. Lots of comments coming in about Rosa's reporting. Yvette says it's absolutely excellent, articulate Um, She's a very good reporter. In fact, Yvette thinks that she's GBC's best reporter. I'm sure that's music to Rosa's ears. Uh, She's doing an amazing job with this story. Andrew says he hopes that Simon is found at long last so that his elderly parents, his family and friends can give him a a decent funeral and know exactly what happened to him after all these years. Mary and others are praying for him so that uh, he can be found and his family can have peace of mind. Uh, Rachel Uh, is just pointing to the fact that the defence police are also assisting and deserve some credit, Uh, so well done to, to them for their part in it and um, and Lionel says he was a taxi driver at the time that um, Simon Parks went missing in 1986 and he remembers young sailors wandering towards the reclamation area thinking that they were walking towards the dockyard um and he picked up some fares around the area in those days there were sailors everywhere he remembers thank you lionel and thank you everybody for getting in touch on um, on the forensic dig for simon parks
1: gibraltar today
0: with jonathan scott we're joined now in the studio by ella cruz anna serra neve wyan and carlos kuzner who are here to talk to us about the duke of edinburgh gold award and you guys have just returned from um Well, an adventure in France. 80 kilometres of hiking and camping over four days. It sounds like really good fun. Ella and, and Anna, is it as good fun as it sounds?
4: Yeah, it was, definitely. We had a lot of fun. And we became very close as a team as well, which made it even better.
0: And and um, when we're talking about camping in the mountains, are we talking about campsites with, you know, I don't know jacuzzis and... Uh,
5: <laughs> At all. Like, one of the nights there was no facilities whatsoever and we were a bit on a hill, so it was a bit... But it was great, honestly. There were some really nice campsites as well that had
4: showers and everything, which really appreciated after that night with no showers and no toilets. But...
0: Yeah. So how does it work? You guys have to go from A to B, yeah. and 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 you and you sort of plot your own path, and and you decide when you stop.
5: Well, the path's already plotted. We just have to follow the route. Whether you get lost or not is a different. Yeah.
0: Depends on your navigation yeah. skills. Yeah.
4: And we have we have to get to a certain campsite every night to be able to camp there. So, it's until we get there we kind of stop.
0: Okay. So uh, an average of 20 kilometers a day. Yeah. Yeah. What was the weather like?
4: It was quite cold and it rained a few days which made it a bit more difficult but in the beginning the weather was nice and then it went getting a bit worse but it was good hiking weather to be honest
0: okay let's uh, let's bring in neve how would you sum up the experience
5: um i'd say it's quite enjoyable i think like ella said like everyone got a lot closer and towards the end of it um the particular scenarios you're in you You kind of have to be. Um, There were very difficult parts, especially around the beginning, I think. It was the most difficult, but towards the end, it got a lot easier. I think you just get used to it. Your feet are around the beginning. I think that's the worst point where you get blisters and stuff, but towards the end, your feet kind of get used to it. They harden up a bit more, you know, Um, so then yeah, it became easier. Uh, what,
0: What sort of terrain are we talking about?
5: Um, well, all sorts kind yeah, of thing. All sorts of terrain, yeah, really. maybe rocky, softer areas, yeah. uh, more harsh areas, rocky, yeah. mm-hmm. Dips. Um, Up and down mountains. Marsh, yeah.
0: yeah. So, trainers, no. Hiking yeah. boots. Hiking yeah. boots. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
5: really yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: It really makes a difference.
4: Yeah, it really does.
0: Okay, let's uh, let's bring in Carlos as well. Carlos, um, we, we know that um, from having had you uh, with another hat on that you you appreciate nature, uh, and I, I suppose that this was a chance to, to be close to nature and, and take in the beautiful French mountains.
6: Yeah, it was really great. Um, For the Duke of Edinburgh, we've decided our project is going to focus on wildlife and the different species that live there, and throughout our hike we were taking pictures of different geckos and things like that that we would find on the hike, and I think it was a really great experience.
0: And then you do what? You you sort of collate them and, and yeah, write yeah, something well,
6: um, up? Yeah, yeah on the 25th or so, we're going to make a presentation about them. And yeah, that's what we need to do.
0: So we've we've heard um, teamwork, the importance of teamwork. uh, Talk us through some of the more challenging moments, maybe. There must have been like pressure points.
6: So um, a few of the pressure points were, um, so where we were in France was a really, really mountainous area. So there were parts where you had to climb with a 45 degree angle now usually you can take breaks and it's fine but the big difference is the fact that we were all c- carrying 20 to 30 kilo backpacks and that makes all the difference it does make a
0: difference yeah 20 tw- 20, 20
6: kilometers with a backpack is like 40 without so it's it was it was really tough so, so
0: why yeah. so heavy what were you carrying
6: everything so basically because we were going to a different campsite every night we had to carry the tents, the cooking equipment, the clothes for all ten days, um, sleeping bags—you name it. So um, we had a lot of stuff to carry.
0: Um, so, how, how difficult? If I can bring in Neve again, how difficult was packing, um, and, and how important was it to get, you know, the packing stage right?
5: Mm, well, packing in the—I think if you sorted it out in the beginning properly before you went on the trip, it was relatively easy throughout because you kind of have an idea of the spaces of where you need to put everything. You, you work out how much food you need to be taking, kind of thing. Uh, so it was relatively easy throughout the trip.
0: So what would you say then um, was um, the, the best thing that you ate, given that uh, I, I suppose that you... <laughs> <laughs> oh, last all around. Oh. Um, I, I suppose you weren't... W- w- talk, I, mean, I don't know, what, what did, were you able to buy some delicious French baguettes? Or? No, no,
4: no, no, no at
5: all. Unfortunately not.
0: No. <laughs> Pan chocolate. chocolat? No, not no, really. really. buy <laughs> so, no, You're no. not
5: really allowed to buy anything on the hike. So yeah. You have to eat yeah. everything, you to and you're completely yeah, yeah. independent. The food was a lot of weight. Yeah,
6: yeah. The, the food yeah. constituted yeah. quite yeah. The most of the weight yeah, because yeah. Um, not only did you have to carry the the five days of hiking food with you, but also you eat three times as much when you're burning that many calories. So it was a it was a I lot
0: hungry four days then.
6: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, we had shared dinners so. um basically we we had to carry a crap on a pasta so yeah lots <laughs> of pasta where, yeah, which yeah. you'd
0: heat up on a, on a butane yeah cooker. on a, on a
6: butane cooker yeah yeah
0: and um uh, and what were the top snacks, then, to keep you going along the way? <laughs> we given? had
4: baby food pouches. <laughs> that was quite... Uh, <laughs> that's was something, like,
5: everyone had. And then, like, mm. cereal
4: bars and stuff like that.
5: Mm. Yeah, I think those were the main things.
0: Yeah. So, like, the baby... F- the, yeah, yeah, just fruits yeah. and...
5: Yeah. And then, like, the energy gels or yeah. the tablets. Yeah. Yeah, the glucose tablets
4: would
0: keep us going. It's like an endurance event, basically. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, awesome. Um, okay, and um, and then what about the actual... Camping. I mean, you talked about cam- having to camp on a, on on a hill. Um, how difficult was that aspect?
5: Well, one of the nights, it, it, the time we were sleeping on a hill, it was raining. So yeah. our tent, me and Ella's, got soaked at the bottom. So we had our feet wet whilst we were asleep. Yeah. so it was a bit all night. Was really. all night yeah, yeah, it was very cold up that the, night. We had to hang up the lake. The um, sleeping, sleeping bags. bags. The next day it was crazy, yeah. but it was, it was fun because you yeah. were like falling you're slipping down
4: onto your sleepings you try to get back up. It's quite <laughs> difficult when it's, the sleeping bag is slippery, so it was funny though. It was a funny <laughs> night. Sounds like one of
0: those malos momentos buenos recuerdos, no? Yeah, 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 definitely. Talk about it for, yeah. for a long time, no? <laughs>
4: thank <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Thank, thank, you. Thank,
0: you. Thank, you. thank you. To Ella Cruz, Ana Serra, Niamh Wyan, and Carlos Kuzner relating their Duke of Edinburgh Gold Award experience.